You guys feeling good? Yes. yes. Feeling fresh? Yes. Feeling good. Like I should. Is that a, is that is that right? I always get yelled at by my kids when I try to like sing a lyric to a song while I preach that I nine times out of ten get it wrong. Unless it's like a throwback, then they go, Well, I'm just gonna trust your word because you were born then and I wasn't. So that's just how it works. I must just trust everything I say because I'm your father. But you know. Touch him, Jesus. There we go. See, I'm batting a thousand today, y'all. We'll see how I end the night. We'll see how I end the night. Batting a thousand right now. I'm one for one. Hey, I want to. Um, I, I don't know that I want to conclude this series, but I definitely want to uh, bring this Lent season to a conclusion as we gear up and prepare ourselves for Easter. And uh, today, if uh, you're not familiar with the liturgical calendar or the text, this is what is known as Palm Sunday. Yes. And. Uh, Palm Sunday is the beginning of what is called the Passion, which is where Jesus ultimately goes and pays the ultimate price for all of our sins, and he dies. But then in three short days, he rises again, and he's resurrected. And uh, often you'll hear this week referred to as Holy Week. It's Holy Week. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the beginning of this incredible, beautiful, sacrificial moment where Jesus says everything that you ever thought you did everything that you've done everything you've yet to do I'm gonna I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna exchange it my life for everything about yours and I can't think of a more beautiful week than to than to celebrate Jesus in this way and so while I hope that we'll understand and learn a little bit more about what this day means my prayer more so specifically is that in this moment through this series specific to the text that we've been reading in Isaiah 61 that we would come to realize the depth in, uh, in the well of incredible revelation and transformation that's found in the scriptures but ultimately would help us to arrive at the same conclusion that it was all done so that we would see and know Jesus personally that's it if anybody ever asks you, what's, what's the primary focus of your church? That you and I would see, know, and discover his purpose for our life. That's right. it. Nothing more complicated than that. Well, what's the theology? Jesus. Where do you get all of the theology from? His word. Yes. What do you guys believe? Uh, that Jesus died and he rose again for each and every one of us. That he loves you that much. And he would do it all over again if he was asked. And I believe that that's what the intention of this, this series has been. I believe that's what the intention of this season has been. But more so specifically, that is without a question and without a doubt, the very proclamation of our church and what we desire to be and to, and to do in this season. And so as we begin tonight, and as I've referenced out of the uh, book of Isaiah, that was the prophetic word of uh, Isaiah as it relates to Jesus himself. And what we find in this season uh, an opportunity to look at what jesus actually said of himself in uh, the gospel of luke and so i'm going to read to the luke's gospel account of this very same prophetic word so if you want to turn with me in your bibles to the book of luke chapter 4 luke chapter 4 and we're going to begin this palm sunday this this holy week celebration with this text and it says this in luke chapter 4 verse 16 he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, 
the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Can you imagine standing up in a room full of Pharisees and religious leaders and all of these different haters and naysayers and being handed a scroll? It wasn't like he picked one out. He was like, oh, yeah, that one will do. They just hand him a scroll. He opens it up and it happens to be Isaiah 61. And anybody ever make fun of you for talking in third person? Maybe I'm the only one that talks about myself in third person sometimes. <laughs> Many of you have made fun of me for doing that, so I appreciate it. My confidence level is skyrocketing. Thank you because of that. But here we find Jesus reading of himself in verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free in verse 19 to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I'll pause there for just a moment. If you got a highlighter, a pen, a pencil, you want to just press and hold it down and copy it, highlight it, whatever you want to do. We're going to come back to this, this proclamation that Jesus makes to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Verse 20. So then he rolled up the scroll. He gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, it says. And then he began by saying to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Anybody ever been told they were going to be given something at a later date, and then that date arrived, and you were given exactly what you anticipated or thought it was going to be, but then you come to realize quickly thereafter that it was so much better than you ever imagined, thought it could be. It's a bit like this. Like somebody promises you next week they're going to give you $100, but instead they give you $150. Like, come on, some Jesus. Eugene Patterson says in the message version, you've just heard scripture make history. It came true just now in this place. And I believe just as it was for those in attendance on that day in history, it is also true for us here today. I believe that you and I have the opportunity to hear scripture make history. And I believe that it would come true for you and I right here, right now in this place. That what we hear in this text and what we discover of its power and its authority and its grace would make history in our lives and in our hearts. And what we hear today might be the very thing that we need to hear to actually completely and totally set us free. What is that you might be wondering? That Jesus has come for you and for me. Or simply put, Jesus has come for us. Jesus has come to rescue those of us who are poor, brokenhearted, captive, blind, and oppressed. He has come for people dehumanized by sin and suffering, by brokenness and sorrow. He, being Jesus, has come for us. For those who sin and those who suffer, for those who suffer because of sin, and for those who sin to alleviate suffering, he has come for us. And as we have read and 
And, and what has been prophesied in Isaiah, and now again here in Luke's gospel, Jesus declares that he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Can I, can I pray for us? And I'm just going to pray our prayer as we've been spending time in this thought the last several weeks. Insistent with this, Lord, I pray that you would provide for those of us who grieve, that you would bestow on us a crown of beauty instead of ashes, that you'd fill us and you'd cover us with the oil of joy instead of mourning, and that you'd place on each of us a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. May we be seen as oaks of righteousness planted by you, beholding your glory and your splendor. May we be renewed by your spirit so that we might be the days who will rebuild the ancient ruins, who will restore the places devastated by the traps of life, and that we will renew the ruined cities, communities, and families among us. May your spirit come in this season and in this moment to rebuild us, restore us, and renew from the ashes your church so that it looks more like heaven on earth. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 He has come for us. Jesus has come for us. If last week, two weeks ago, everyone have a good spring break? Rested? Did you enjoy yes. having a Sabbath weekend last weekend? I hope everybody took full advantage and you're rested. Your faith has been elevated. Maybe you spent some time with some family, some friends. Maybe you got to travel. I can tell by some of your suntans that you definitely went elsewhere besides the state of Georgia, um, because we had cold weather. And if you were around yesterday morning at about 11, we had a little flurry of snow. It's fantastic. Uh, nothing says spring break like snow. Uh, but nonetheless, you guys all rested, I pray. And uh, I hope that you were able to, to not just rest uh, from a worldly perspective, but your soul was able to rest. And you were able to be refreshed and encouraged. Some of you probably were missing us as we were missing you. If you weren't, that's okay. We'll still be praying for you. Uh, but we did miss you. It was a lot of uh, fun and a lot of rest. Uh, but it's good to be back and uh, gearing up for this incredible season that's uh, in front of us. Uh, so he came. He has come for us. He's come for us. And over these last few weeks, this statement in verse 2 of Isaiah kept standing out to me. And, um, and, it, and it seemed so oddly placed in the prophetic word, to be honest with you, because it was kind of in this midst of, you know, like good news to the poor, heal the blind eyes, restore. And then all of a sudden he came to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And as I started to just meditate on that and think about that, I, I started to think actually how beautiful and intentional that statement really is. And we got to understand something that God doesn't do anything on accident. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't just trip into something. <laughs> Nothing he does is without intention. Everything he's done is perfectly timed, placed, and spoken. There is nothing he does that is not perfect, good, and true. And so I found that as I was getting a little bit frustrated and a little bit confused by the placement of this text, I had to be reminded, even myself, that God does nothing without intention. He never speaks without a purpose. And so I found myself thinking about this statement with a bit of beauty and awe, understanding that it was intentionally placed 
in this text. And so as we cut, we cut back to it in Isaiah 61 and 2, it says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It goes on to say specifically to Isaiah's uh, translation, the day of the, uh, and the day of vengeance of our God. We won't cover that tonight. That's a whole other conversation uh, that we'll look at maybe down the road. But then specifically to comfort all who mourn. And then as we look at Luke's account, we read in his gospel uh, as what Jesus said of himself, this very passage of scripture. But it is intentionally read in a way that brings it to a period. I've learned uh, over the years through some of my uh, grammar educators that uh, when you put a period on something, it is the end or the conclusion of a statement. And I find it interesting that as Jesus is reading this text of himself, he just simply states to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, period, end quote. There's a, there's a comma in Isaiah and there's a period in Luke, very good. which is to say that Jesus has a very specific message for us. And it's very important for us to understand that he didn't leave anything to question or wonder, but he wanted to ensure that there was a period placed perfectly and timely as he's proclaiming of himself what he came to do. So you might be wondering, what is the year of the Lord's favor? What does that mean? What, is, what does that represent? What is, what, is, what is happening in this text? Well, well, I wanted to look at that for just a few moments because I think it's going to really encourage us and help us here tonight. The year of the Lord's favor or also known or is also known as the year of release. What I have come to learn and discover, and many of you, if you know me long, would understand this, that this also means the year of jubilee. A couple years ago, I got a little irritated because it was like Jubilee this and Jubilee that. And we're writing songs about Jubilee and Maverick City did a 25 minute song about Jubilee. And I'm like, I get it. Awesome. Jubilee. Yay. And it was almost as if like, you know, the Lord is like, so really? You just, just like that? You don't want to talk about it? No. I don't want to be Jubilee-like. Jubilus? It's jubilant. I have it written in my notes. <laughs> you skipped ahead, Steve. <laughs> the year of the Lord's favor is also known as the year of release or, or the year of jubilee. And what we find is that the year of the Lord's favor was described in the law. If we remember, we just recently read Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And, yeah. and I know you all were like, yeah. Nothing like reading Leviticus all the way through. But how many of you are grateful that you did? Come on. Yes. Okay, just a couple. Good. Awesome. Love it. If you're, if you're anything like us, you know that there's also a, a New Testament and a gospel and a psalm every day. So you're not just reading Leviticus. Amen. But specifically, we can find more details about the year of the Lord's favor as outlined in the law in Leviticus 25. Let me give you a short summary. As a, uh, as a time, basically, Jubilee was every 50 years. Yes. Every seven years, there was meant to be a Passover year or a Sabbath year where you did nothing. And my friend Josh is in this particular industry, but any farming or any, any fielding, any cropping that was being done would be put on hold. So basically, you have seven times seven, which would make 49, which means you'd have 49th year as a year of Sabbath. And then you'd have the year of Jubilee, which basically meant you had two years off. 
Can I get an amen to that? Like, no farming, no cropping. You had to live on what was produced, on what was farmed, on what was cultivated for up to, for that whole six years. That's a pretty good run. Let me go a little bit further. Every 50 years, though, is when all debts were forgiven. <laughs> Captives were set free. All who had lowered themselves to become slaves or sold themselves into slavery were released and families were restored to their rightful orders. The year of Jubilee. This year, the year of the Lord's favor or the year of Jubilee became a figure of spiritual divine forgiveness. And it's also the very promise that Jesus is declaring in this last sense to picture his work as a laborer designed to bring divine forgiveness for you and I forevermore. This is the year of Jubilee. You see, in this prophetic word, Isaiah is using that which was outlined in the law of Moses and declaring that the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee, will be fulfilled through Jesus. I came across uh, this song. I don't know if it's a hymn, if it's a song, if it's a ballad. I, I don't know. But there's this gentleman by the name of Michael Card. And uh, he's a beloved musician and an author focusing on the life of Christ and the power of the Gospels. And so I thought that it was pretty fitting. And he actually wrote a song titled Jubilee. And he wrote it this way. The Lord provided for a time for the slaves to be set free. For the debts to all be canceled so his chosen ones could see. His deep desire was for forgiveness. He longed to see their liberty. And his yearning was embodied in the year of Jubilee. The chorus goes something like this. Jubilee, Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee. Debts forgiven, slaves set free. Jesus is our Jubilee. At the Lord's appointed time, his deep desire became a man. The heart of all true jubilation and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of jubilee. To be so completely guilty, given over to despair, to look into your judge's face and see a savior there. So what is Jubilee, you might be asking? Jesus. Yes. Jesus is our Jubilee. Jesus is our Jubilee. I'm just going to pause it for a moment, let that land. Jesus. He's Jubilee. Okay. Guess what songs I listened to this week? On repeat over outside of John Mayer because I did go see him Friday night and it was pretty epic. I'm not gonna lie to you. And you know, my my queen and I we got a little dance on and you know this little romantic song that's good for practicing having more babies, which we're not gonna do any of that, but uh, we're gonna practice, we're not having any more babies. Let me get that straight. And uh, something about a wonderland, it was a great sorry, I do that. I just was letting Jesus' Jubilee land. Providing a little bit of distraction so it landed even deeper. Just a seed. <laughs> Jesus is our Jubilee. 
And I believe it's the very essence of what he, Jesus, says of himself in John chapter 8, verse 36. He says, so if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Paul, Paul says in his, later, uh, his letter to the church in Galatia, he says this in verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Stand firm then. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Maybe another way of putting it is that what Jesus was declaring when he said history has been made in your hearing is what Isaiah prophesied would be fulfilled. That Jesus was going to be, arrived to be, and is our Jubilee. So now having understood that and, and grasped that and, and allowed myself to, to study that and have a new appreciation for Jubilee, I, I started to then think about this, this triumphant entry of Jesus, which is the beginning of this Holy Week. That is what Palm Sunday is. It is, it is about Jesus. It is about his entry into Jerusalem to fulfill and to do that which he said and proclaimed and prophesied of him and he said he would do and so when we look at this this text in luke chapter 19 of this moment and we read of people singing and shouting all of a sudden my whole perspective on this moment has shifted look with me in luke chapter 19 verse 37 it says and when he came near to the place where the road goes down the mount of olives it says the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Just gonna pause here for a moment. I've read this text a, a, a hundred times, and that's like you know preacher talk. Probably read it, you know, fifty or so times. Just exaggerate a little bit sometimes, you know. I've read it a lot. For the very first time, this, this stood out to me that the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. I started to think about what are the miracles they've seen? Yeah. What are the miracles they've seen? Well, we read about them all the time. Yes. In Luke chapter 1, verses 1, all the way through Luke chapter, chapter 18, verse 41. We read of miracle after miracle after miracle, blind eyes, deaf ears, bodies being completely restored, literally people rising from the dead, coming out of grace. I mean, everything you can imagine, these people are starting to have this flash before their eyes of all the miraculous things that Jesus has done in only a short amount of time, by the way. And I don't know about you, but when you see somebody go from death to life, when you see somebody who was blind, who now sees, somebody who's deaf, who now hears, somebody who was carried on a mat by four 
people, four guys, four friends, and literally were, were just dropped in to the living room of some random dude's house. And Jesus says, your sins are forgiven and now you're healed. Go and walk and take your mat with you. They're thinking about every miracle, every moment. And I don't know about you, but I think about the miracles that God has done in your life and the things that he's done through you and the things he's yet to do through you. I get excited and it starts to give me a little excited. My blood begins to rise and I begin to sing and shout. And you don't want to see me or hear me sing, but I will do it because I love God that much. And I'm so thankful for what he's done. And I can imagine this group, this crowd of disciples, some 3,000, some would argue, were just beginning to shout with praise and worship and amazement of all the things that he's done. And now he's riding down the mount of olives on a donkey. Make no mistake about it. This is not about a donkey. And the reason why I call Palm Sunday is because they started to grab palm leaves and they were just waving them in worship. And they were laying them down so the donkey had a smooth path to walk down. But can I just for a second remind you, it's not about the palm leaves and it's not about the donkey. It's about that who is riding on the back of a cult who came meek and mild in the most beautiful ways, not the passive way, but with the intentional way to say Jubilee has arrived. Let me, let me, let me, let me go on quickly because I want to make sure you get the full context of this. Verse 38, it says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Oh, I just had this thought. I have to save it. I was thinking back to when, when the announcement came of Jesus' birth. An angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds in the field. And what was the song they sang? Come on, Steve. On cue. Let's get it. I'm going to let you Google it. Glory to God in the highest. Peace in heaven. In from, from the field in which the shepherds heard of the savior of the world to this very moment they're singing and praising the king of kings and the lord of lords blessed is the king who comes in the name of the lord peace in heaven and glory in the highest the gospel of matthew reads it this way verse uh, chapter 21 and 9 it says the crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed were shouting hosanna to the son of david blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord Hosanna in the highest. I want to pause there for a moment because I have to uh, course correct a little bit of my own theology and thinking. You see, for, for far too long, I subscribed and even argued and made the case that Hosanna, in its definition, were in people that were crying out for a worldly reprieve from the tyranny of the Roman Empire. And I don't know that that's not entirely true, but I know it's not the full truth. Yeah. Because if it were the full truth, there would not be a crowd of disciples who were shouting joyfully and remembering all the incredible things that Jesus had done and it's still yet to do and proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor as they sing in worship. 
I don't know about you, but I, I do find myself sometimes coming into worship and I find that I'm actually crying out to him, hoping that he'll save me from my temporary pain, which is mostly worldly. And often, if I was really honest with myself, probably self-inflicted, that I was actually coming here just to thank him for all the miraculous things he's done. Tyra so beautifully in our team huddle just earlier was talking about wearing a badge of all the bad things that ever happened to her and being course corrected to start thanking God for all the miracles that he's seen her through rather than complaining about the things that happened along the way so often we get so distracted by the things that happen along the way but we forget to remember that he saw us through the storm and through the circumstance so if we could just have the courage to have the joy and the song on our lips and on our tongue to thank him for the things he's seen us through and quit complaining about the things along the way Maybe we wouldn't be so Hosanna like save me from my worldly pain and my worldly issue and my worldly temptation and we start thanking him for his eternal thanksgiving and his eternal forgiveness and his eternal salvation and see what i've come to realize and understand is this is not the whole truth and what the lord showed me is that there were these crowds of disciples and they were singing and they were shouting and they were singing and shouting hosanna and they were singing and shouting Hosanna with joyful praise because of all of the miracles they had seen. Yeah. Which to me tells of a people who had a deep and personal revelation of who Jesus was and what he was coming to do. And it leads me to wonder if that the joyful praise they were singing came from a place deep within that was founded on a revelation. Remember the word translated rock revelation the deep within each of them was this revelation this truth this knowledge of who Jesus was and instead they were claiming or they were proclaiming or they were singing and worshiping with joy because what they had been told and what they'd experienced and what they knew to be true was coming true right here in front of their very eyes that the prophetic word of God is being fulfilled. History was being made and the year of the Lord's favor is upon them. That Jesus had come for them. And I believe that if Jesus had come for them, that it, was, it has to be, and it is still true for us today, that Jesus has come for us. You see, Isaiah prophesied that he, Jesus, would come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus stepped on the scene and declared that the year of the Lord's favor is now here. Jesus stepped on the scene and declared that the year of the Lord's favor is now here. That the year of release is here. That the year of Jubilee is here. And it is available to you and to I and to all of us through Jesus, no one else, through Jesus. Jesus has come for us. He's come for you, he's come for me. I always think about that movie, Taken. I have to think of my Jesus like that a little bit. <laughs> Blindness, sickness, 
anxiety, addiction, disappointment, fatigue, letdown. It's like Jesus on the other line, like, yo, I'm coming for him. Or like gladiator, is it gladiator? You're coming. And heaven's coming with me. Come on, somebody tonight needs to know that. that Jesus came for you. He came for you. Everything that you thought about yourself, every disappointment, every failure, every mistake, it doesn't matter. Every victory, every one, every success, it don't matter. Those are worldly things, but what Jesus came to do was an eternal thing. You see, he's come to proclaim that Jubilee is no longer an every year, 50-year celebration. Let me, let me say that one more time. Jesus came to proclaim that Jubilee is no longer an every 50-year celebration. I'm only 40, y'all. That means I still got 10 more years to experience. I ain't having that. But rather a daily opportunity for you and I to encounter and experience and declare this is the year. This is the moment. This is the hour of Jubilee. He came so that we no longer have to wait for 50 years to experience eternal freedom, but that we can have it right here, right now. You see, Jubilee is here. I'm going to ask you to stand up. Get your blood flowing again. So I think we're going to just elevate our faith here tonight. I believe that the Lord wants to do something here tonight. And I believe that in order for it to happen, we have to understand that Jubilee is not something we have to wait for. It's not far off, but it is here. And I believe that today scripture is being turned into history. Or another way of saying it, that scripture is making history in our hearing. And I believe it has the power to make history in our hearts. Only if we would allow. How, you might be asking. Believe that Jesus has come for you. Believe that he's come for me. Believe that he's come for your friends, your neighbor, the person that you're sitting next to, the person at your office, the person at your gym, the person at your public. It doesn't matter that Jesus has come for all of us and he desires for us to experience and encounter and declare that this is Jubilee. He has come and anointed by the Holy Spirit to proclaim good news to the poor. This is what he's come to do. To share good news with you. He came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. He came to set the burden and battered free. That's the message version. He came to set the burdened. Anybody feeling burdened here? You don't have to raise your hand. You can if you want to. This is, this is free country. He came to set the burdened and the battered free. He came to set the anxious and the worrisome at ease he came to proclaim the year of the lord's favor he came to proclaim jubilee another interpretation of the year of the lord's favor is or the year of jubilee is to sound the trumpet i don't have a trumpet i think there's an app for that that's probably not a trumpet sound but you know it'll work Little John needs to give us that back. <laughs> to sound the trumpet, to sing a song. Jesus has come to set free 
every single one of us from every trap and he came to tear down every altar and he came to help you to know that your father in heaven sees you and he loves you everything this series has been and everything that he desires to do is simply found in this truth that jesus has come for you and that jubilee isn't something you have to wait for or live vicariously through your neighbor but you can have it for yourself so as we started this series, I'm going to conclude it. Have you poured out your trap? Have you identified the traps in your life that are keeping you hostage, that are keeping you anxious, that are keeping you worried, that are keeping you burdened, that are keeping you tired and angry and frustrated all the time? Have you replaced your trap with a song of praise? Have you replaced your trap with jubilee in your life? Have you laid your trap at the altar and allowed Jesus to set you free? Because the Bible says that he who comes to know Jesus is free and he who is free is free indeed so we're gonna have communion tonight but I thought before we got there that we would just create a little room right here in this moment because I want to be sure that we are trapped free here tonight and I don't want us to walk around in this worldly idea of freedom. I want us to walk with the assurance and the confidence that we are free because our Father in Heaven loves us so much that He would send His Son Jesus to us so that we could experience jubilee here and now. We would no longer have to wait. We wouldn't have to look for Easter. We wouldn't have to wait for the weekend after. We don't have to wait for discipleship group. We can experience right here right now but i believe in order for us to fully experience freedom in the way that jesus offers it we have to be willing to lay down our traps you guys thought we forgot about that he doesn't ever forget about it because he loves you that much he wants to provide an opportunity for you to lay your trap down and so we're just gonna sing this I don't know if it's a chorus or a bridge or whatever version that Steve makes up along the way. We're going to sing it. We're going to worship for a moment. I just encourage you, just let all the worries and all the distractions for just a few moments go. Be selfish in this moment. And if that's you and you haven't poured out your trap, you haven't laid it down, and you want a moment here on this altar, then, then come. Come boldly. Come with with an audacity in your step that just says, I am not missing this moment. I want to experience Jubilee tonight. I want to be set free from the bondage, from the pain, from the anxiety, and from the worry of my life. And I want to walk in a relationship with my Father in Heaven who loves me that much. So Father, I pray that as we come to this moment to worship you, every one of us that are still holding on or still uncertain, so hesitant to let go or to lay down the trap, I pray right now by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would breathe a wind of air, a wind of release, a wind of encouragement over them, Father, and they would boldly come to lay it all down, to not leave here the same way they came in, to leave here having encountered the year of the Lord's favor, the year of release, to experience jubilee. So as we sing, I pray that you would come Come boldly, come confidently. Even if you're not sure, come. Thank you, Jesus.